So we're going to be in First, First Peter chapter four, and uh, we are we started a uh, live generously, and we started by looking at the Gospel of John chapter three, verse sixteen, the most famous verse in the Bible, uh, and talking about how God is a generous God. He so loved that He gave the Father, gave the Son, and how Jesus, second person of the Trinity. Um, is, a gen- is generous. He willingly, uh, sacrificially laid down his life, gave his life for us. And, and, we, and we mentioned that week that the, the Holy Spirit is generous as well, the third person of the Trinity. And I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians 12, 11 before we get into our text this morning. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 11 that about the, he's talking about spiritual gifts and he says all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So the Spirit's generous as well as he gives spiritual gifts to build up the church. And so our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit um, is a generous God. And as image bearers, um, as believers, if you're a believer this morning, and press like our God is generous. He has given us spiritual gifts at the new birth. We're going to talk about that this morning. And he's given us other abilities and talents, um, some things you might have kind of been born with and some things that you might have developed skill in over the course of your life and and we need to steward these things in a way that are generous and a key area that we're going to focus on this morning that we need to live generously in is in our spiritual gifts and I'll throw into that um, in in the idea of talents and abilities as well we need to steward all these things in a generous way and so we're going to be in first Peter chapter 4 we're going to be in verse 10 and verse 11 Uh, Peter wrote the book of first Peter so that the, the Christians he was writing to then and so that we would understand something, uh, that we are strangers, we are aliens, we are sojourners in this world, we are passing through another world, other words, uh, we are in the world but not of the world. It is not our final home. And so that's kind of the theme of First Peter. And, and so that's why I kind of wrote this book. And in chapter 4 of the book, Peter begins to talk about the last days. He says, the end of all things is at hand, is how he introduces uh, this new thought in chapter 4. Ever since Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to heaven, we've been living in the last days. The the next thing on on God's timetable, so to speak, is the return of Christ. And so, as believers in Christ, we believe he came, but we believe Christ is going to come again. And and so, in chapter 4 of 1 Peter, Peter begins to tell Christians how to live in light of the return of Christ. Since we believe Jesus is coming back and we don't know when that's going to be, how do we urgently live that way as we await his return? And so he begins to talk about that and then he begins to talk about the idea of spiritual gifts in verses 10 and 11. So look at what he says about how we use these gifts in light of the, the soon return of Christ. First Peter chapter 4 verse 10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. In other words, that idea there is that God's grace expresses itself in many different ways in our lives. Verse 11, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful this morning for your word, your perfect word uh, that you have given to us. And we thank you, thank you for this word that we have here in 1 Peter uh, that, that commands us, that tells us that in light of the return of Christ, in light of the last days, we need to use our gifts in a way that serves others and glorifies you. And, and so, Lord, I pray that you would let this text sink deep into our hearts.
Um, Help us to learn about you, to learn about how you've wired us, and to learn more about your plan for us and desire for us to live generously as we explore this text together. And help us to not only be hearers this morning, uh, but as your word tells us, let us be doers this morning of your word. And we ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. So Peter tells us, in light of the fact that we are in the last days, use your gift to serve one another. And he, to sum it up, he says, and you do this for the God's glory. Now, many times when we think about the end times and the return of Christ, the temptation is we become fascinated with the mysterious parts that we don't understand. Um, books have been written that make men look foolish trying to predict when that's going to happen. And so rather than us get lost in some sort of timetable and a bunch of graphs and charts this morning, I think what Peter would have us to do is to serve somebody. (laughs) What he would have us to do is to focus our minds and our hearts on loving and serving one another and on glorifying God. Not that none of that other stuff is important, but when we think about end times, our mind tends to go one place, and I'm telling you what Peter's saying is, man, we need to get busy serving others, loving others, and glorifying God. So how are we in these last days to use our gifts and even our talents and abilities, which is something different than a spiritual gift. We'll talk about that. How are we to use them? Well, I believe these two verses show us, and I believe we can learn here the key to using our gifts generously rather than selfishly. I believe we can learn how to use our gifts uh, to, in the right way as opposed to abusing our gifts or neglecting our gifts, which are kind of some, di- some ditches that we can fall into on the left and the right. We can, we can abuse these things for our own glory. We can neglect them and not really employ them at all. What Peter would have us to do is use them, he says, to serve one another all for the glory of God. So we can each use our gifts this way, even our abilities even our talents, if we choose to live, as Peter says here. And so using our, our gifts generously is, is, about, is about choosing to live generously, really in all areas. The principles I'm about to share with you, I think, apply to every area of stewardship. I just think they particularly apply right here because they're right here in this text about spiritual gifts. So we have to make three very simple choices about how we live if we're going to use our gifts generously. The first choice we need to make is to live as a steward. To live as a steward. See, we are called to be good stewards of the gifts that God has given us. Peter says in verse 10 that we've each, if you're a believer in Christ this morning, you've received a gift. Everybody, every believer has received at least one spiritual gift. And he says, and as, as we need to serve one another with it as good stewards of God's varied grace. It's one of the ways that God has expressed his grace in our lives is we've been graced with these gifts. And so we need to steward these gifts. And so he makes it clear we've, we've received them, right? It's not something that we've worked up. It's not something that we've earned. It's something that's been given to us. And then he says that we are to be stewards of them. And, and at that, good stewards. It doesn't belong to us, in other words. It belongs to the one who gave it. And we are to steward it in a way that pleases him. Now, we Christians seem to understand this thought, whether we live it out or not, generally about money. We say things like this, and we believe this, that uh, when it comes to the Christian life, God does not uh, own 10% of our income. God owns 100% of our income, all right? And so we're not just supposed to steward 10% of our income in a way that honors God. We need to, we need to leverage all that we have in a way that honors God. And so, and one of the ways we do that, right, is, is giving generously towards God's mission to the local church. And so, but all, God owns it all because God owns me, right? He, he owns the earth and the fullness thereof. Well, this also applies for our spiritual gifts. And every single one of us in this room that has believed in Jesus as Lord and Savior has received from the Holy Spirit at least one gift from God, and we are to use it as a steward of grace because these gifts are expressions of God's grace in our lives. 
And I'd say, as I mentioned earlier, these principles in this text apply for talents and abilities too. That's not what the text is about. There's a difference in a talent or ability and a spiritual gift. For instance, if you're really good at math, okay, and you're great at math, that's not a spiritual gift. Uh, you didn't get that because you got saved. All right? And so you just, you, you worked at it and maybe your mind is geared in such a way that numbers come easy to you and, and over time you just acquired certain skill in that. So you have a skill and ability and a talent with math. But that does not mean that you don't have a responsibility as a Christian to steward that gift in a way that blesses others, like through your employment or whatever, and to the glory of God. Because everything in our life needs to be stewarded that way. So these principles apply broad strokes across our talents, abilities, and skills. But specifically here, Peter's talking about spiritual gifts, ways that God has gifted you by the power of the Holy Spirit because you're a Christian. And he's geared each of us uniquely. And, we're, and there's a multitude of gifts uh, and multitude of ways that the Holy Spirit expresses himself in and through our lives to serve the church. So as stewards, we need to understand that I've received something and I'm responsible for this, for this thing that I've received, this gift. It, it belongs ultimately to someone else because I'm a steward. Steward's not an owner. He's a manager. We don't use the word steward a lot in our culture, but it, it just means manager, okay? And I must, I must steward it or I must manage it in a way that pleases the owner, which is God. So every believer in the room this morning has one of these, at least one of these gifts. And now Peter puts them in two broad categories and pretty much every spiritual gift that you can think of um, could be put in one of these categories and that is speaking gifts and serving gifts. Now we see here all spiritual gifts are a way to serve, but Peter puts some in the specific category of serving and some in speaking. So for instance, um, some gifts require you to speak like teaching and exhortation and, and um, um, evangelism and some of these things. They, they require opening your mouth, right? And other gifts may not require opening your mouth, but they require time and they require presence. They require service. They require your, ment uh, your, your mentally being checked in and those sorts of things. But what really matters, what Peter's driving at here is, is am I stewarding or managing my gift or gifts in a way that pleases God? Because ultimately, I got to please him with it. Because I'm just a, a steward, a manager. I'm responsible for how I manage what God gives me in everything in life. And so these gifts are expressions of his grace that I'm to manage, not expressions of my ingenuity. Not expressions of how, how great I am or how talented I am. These in particular things he's talking about are, are things given by God and we are to steward or manage them. Now, a lot of times in our culture, at least when I think of managing and stewarding, I, my mind goes to renting because you don't own when you rent. Like so, and I remember for years they used to say, don't buy a rental car, right? And you say, why, not, why don't you buy a, rent, a used rental car? People say, oh, because people drive them like, you know, crazy. Because, you know, they don't take care. You know, they just, somebody rents, go, drives a rental car, and man, they just, they just drive it all crazy, right? And never really understood that because you're responsible for it. But that's the way people think. And it's kind of like when people think of um, uh, rental houses versus owning a house, they think, man, that, that, that the renter won't take as good a care of it as the owner and all that sort of thing. But, and I get that, but listen to this. God owns us. We, and... He owns these gifts, and he's gifted us with these things, and, and we're stewarding grace in our lives. That's a really big deal. So it's not an excuse to take it lightly. It's not an excuse to, to, to be less of a, a good steward, but actually it's incentive to be more of a good steward, whether it's, it's a little bit reversed than maybe it works in our culture sometimes when we think about it. So to not take stewarding our gifts seriously is to not take grace as seriously as we should. Because he says you're stewarding God's very, very grace in your life. See, stewardship's about responsibility. 
And the question is, am I going to take responsibility for the ways God has gifted me to serve his church, his very grace in my life? That, exp- that just means it expresses itself in a multiple, multiple ways across the church. Will I steward, will I manage in a way that pleases God or me? And if we say, yes, I, I want to do this in a way that pleases God, and the question becomes, well, what pleases God? And that brings us to the second and third principle. The second principle is this. I've got to choose to live as a servant. The way you become a good steward, he says, is you use it to serve one another as a good steward. So the key to being a good steward of the gifts God's placed in your life is to use it to serve one another. He says, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. And the first thing we have to understand here is we, if we're going to serve others with our spiritual gifts, is we have to have a willingness to, as he says, use the gift. <laughs> he says, use it. Use what you have. Your, your gift is not a collector's item to be protected. It's a tool for serving others. I've known people to have like a collector car, right? It's a car they only drive ever so now and then they kind of keep the cobwebs off and they keep it under lock and key and it's covered up and it's in the garage and they only take it out to care for it because it's of such great value. And that's not the picture of spiritual gifts, right? I'm just going to take it out and drive it on Sundays, right? It, it, our spiritual gifts are not a, a show car, <laughs> they're a service vehicle. <laughs> it's less like the, 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 you know, classic Corvette parked in the garage, and it's more like the, you know, the OUC truck you see driving around town. It, it's put on the road to, to serve other people. It's not to be treated like fine china that's kept in the cabinet and just broken out for special occasions, right? Man, it, it's to be used, and it's to be used regularly and consistently. Being a, be, being a servant and serving others, using our gift to serve others, is at the very heart of what it even means to be a Christ follower. Part of our identity in Christ is that, yes, we are now stewards of what God gave us, but we are also, man, we, are, we are servants. Listen to what Jesus said about the, in, in the Gospels about the idea of being a servant. In Mark 9, 35, it says, Jesus, he sat down and called the, 12, called the 12 to himself, and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. He says, if you're going to be first in the kingdom, you've got to be a servant of all. It's, it's the servant-hearted, he says, that, that are first in the kingdom. In Mark 10, 44 and 45, he says, whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He says, if I came to serve, who do you think you are? Man, if I, you're to serve too. I, you're following me, and I came to serve. Look at what he says in Matthew, Matthew 23, 11. The greatest among you, he says, shall be your servant. And Jesus modeled that, right? He served us by laying his life down for us. Right? That, that's how Jesus, Jesus is referred to in the Old Testament. The Messiah is referred to as the servant of God, if you read Isaiah. The servant of God. It's one of the defining marks of Jesus, the Messiah. And so uh, I think it's John Piper who, who has the quote who says, you can't serve Jesus until you've been served by Jesus, right? And that's the truth. We can't truly even serve others, I don't think, truly from the heart like we should and serve God as we should until we first have understood that we've been served by Christ and that he laid his life down for us in our place. And did for us what we can't do for ourselves. And knowing that, the gospel transforms us. When we believe in Christ, who was crucified for us and risen from the dead, transforms us into a people that want to serve others. That wants to serve, as he says, one another. 
See, the Holy Spirit wants us to use these gifts. He says to, to not just serve other people in general. He says, it's particular in the text, he says, use it to serve one another. In other words, it's not just to be used to serve people at large. Not that there's not a role for that. The point is simply this. You can't adequately steward God's grace in your life apart from involvement in the local church. Can't do it. You say, why can't I? Because there's, the New Testament is filled with one another's. And the one another's is not about the world in general. It's about the body of Christ, which is expressed in the local church. So all the one another's we see in the New Testament, we can't fulfill them, we can't obey them if we're not connected to and involved in the local church. And so when he says, you, man, use your spiritual gift to serve one another, he's talking in particular about within the body of Christ. That's why God gave you the gift. He didn't just give it to you, man, so, so you could use it like at work. He gives you skills and abilities for that, but it's primarily used to build up the body of Christ, the local churches. It has expressed other believers to invest in the lives of others, to encourage them, to build them, to build up the body of Christ. And when we come to faith in Christ, we become servant-hearted, and we get that. We want to serve the church that Jesus died for, because servant-heartedness begins at the foot of the cross. <laughs> when, when you trust the servant of God, you become a servant of God. And our gifts, see, that in our culture, we tend to take things like abilities and talents and sometimes spiritual gifts and we begin to use them for other things and we begin to think of them as our, our way of self-fulfillment or to make a name for ourselves, to make ourselves feel important or at home. And I love this quote from Ed Clowney. Ed Clowney says this about this passage. He says, Peter's focus is often lost today. Christians eagerly discuss spiritual gifts, but in a way that would surely distress the apostle. Their concern is not how they can serve others and bring glory to the Lord. Rather, they seek self-fulfillment. They want to discover their gifts so as to establish their own identity. See, the point of our gifts is not for us to feel validated. Christ is the one that validates us. It's not for you to feel like you matter. Christ says, I matter. It's to serve others. It's not to use it to make a name or to feel good about myself or not feel guilty. Not to use it to manipulate people to get what I want or to gain power or to have a hobby and something to do. It's to use it to serve other people, to bless others. And this is a prime, another reminder how the, in the Bible we learn that life, and especially the Christian life, is not primarily about me. It's just not. Right? The two greatest commandments in the Bible is what? To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love the neighbor as yourself, right? It's, it's, it's geared towards God and it's geared towards others. The service is towards others and it's centered on and empowered by God. He says, man, if you have a, a, a speaking gift, it, it, it's as though it's the oracles of God. His point here is this man, if, if, if you're going to be speaking, whether it's sharing wisdom with someone and you have the gift of wisdom and, and you're helping someone discern something or whether you're publicly teaching or whether you're giving exhortation to someone in private, if you've got some sort of speaking gift, he's basically saying it needs to be saturated in the word of God. It, it's not supposed to be something separate. It's gotta, man, it's gotta be filtered through that. It's as though the oracles of God, that kind of seriously, that's kind of importance. It's not just about sharing your opinions and your thoughts just because you can talk good. It, it's, it's about investing Investing the word of God in the lives of others. And he says, if you're going to serve, don't do it in your strength. Do it in the strength God supplies. 
Because see, when we do it in our strength, it becomes about us. We do it in our strength, we get wore out. We do it in our strengths, we get irritated. We do it in our strength, and we get to choose when to use our gifts and when not to use our gifts. That's why he says you need to do it in the Spirit's strength. And you might be thinking, well, all this is great, but how do I know what my gift is? Do I need to take one of those tests? That was a real, you don't see those as much anymore, but that was real popular uh, when I was a teenager, like in the 90s and early 2000s even. That, that was kind of a popular thing, probably further back than that. Churches would take spiritual gift tests. I don't nothing wrong with those. But somehow the church survived like a couple thousand years without it, right? It's like, you know, there's, and you can look. There's no spiritual gift test in the Bible. And you can go to the back where the maps are, right? It's falling apart, but you go back, no spiritual gift test. You can go to the glossary, it's not there. You can read all the text on spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians, and you can go to chapters 13 and 14, and you can go over to Romans chapter 12, and you can come here to 1 Peter chapter 4 and look at all the different texts in the New Testament about spiritual gifts. And there ain't a test in there anywhere. So how is it that God would have us to know what our spiritual gift is? Why would God not give us a test and tell us how we can figure it out? Because... The best way to find your gift is to serve in the local church. It's a gift intended for service that is found and confirmed in service. I don't care what a sheet of paper says. I've got these two spiritual gifts. If you're not serving in the local church, I don't know what you have and you don't either. That's not the way God intended for us to discover it. You discover it in community with the saints. It is confirmed by the church. It is recognized in you by others because they're served by it. And you'll hear people say things like that. Like, well, you really encourage me. You're one of the most encouraging people. Man, you, you always help me make wise decisions or whatever it may be. You've really helped me grow in this area. Man, man, you're so merciful. And you'll begin to see people coming into your life looking for because you when they're hurting because you're just so good at showing mercy. And it'll begin to be confirmed for you. Wow, I'm discovering what my spiritual gift might be because the big deal is not so much knowing exactly what it is. The big deal is serving. It's much better to serve in ignorance than to be filled with knowledge and sit on the sidelines. Who cares if you think you've got a half dozen spiritual gifts if you're not engaged in the lives of other people and you're not engaged in the local church and you're not serving anybody with it. Give me the person that don't have a clue what their spiritual gift is. All they want to do is serve people and honor Jesus. God will use that person. It's discovered and it's cultivated in service among the one another. We get this with other things, right? I grew up playing baseball. And I played from age five until I graduated high school. And I spent most of those years playing a particular position. Most of those years, I played second base or third base. Well, why is that? Because over time, I began to discover I was better at catching ground balls and fly balls, Right? And I was good enough to play in the infield, but not quite good enough to play shortstop. So I tended to play third base or second base. Same way at school, right? You go to school and you begin to learn, you know what? I'm better at this subject than this subject, right? Maybe I don't need to be an engineer if I stink at math, right? And you just begin to learn things. At work, you learn certain things. You begin to learn like, you know what? I'm in my field of work, my... I'm better over here and focusing on this. We, just, that's, we, we learn it in the process of using it and, and serving others with it. So you learn it in the sport by playing. You, you learn it by taking the class at school. You learn it by working at work. And you learn it by serving in the local church. And it gets confirmed. See, the most important thing is not the what of your gift, but the how. 
How are you serving? What good is it if we know stuff, but we don't serve? Now, the section here in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, it ends with the big point, the point of our gifts. The third principle. Yeah, we're stewards. I've got to live as a steward. It's not mine. It's from God. It's a gift to steward. I use it to serve other people, to serve others, to serve the one another. But ultimately, it's about God. And the third principle is I've I got to live as a worshiper. I, I'm primarily created to worship God. He says, you do all this. You steward and you serve. Here's why. In order that. In other words, here's your purpose. Here's your reason. That in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Why? He goes into praise. Because to him, to Jesus, belongs glory and dominion. That means power forever and ever. Amen. He says, that's why. See, the reason we serve others with these gifts, the reason we do it with God's strength and not ours, is we want to glorify God because we're worshipers. We are created to worship, to give praise and glory to God. We all worship something, right? We've talked about this before. Everyone is a worshiper. Even if you don't follow Christ, you're a worshiper. We're all worshiping something all the time because we're designed in such a way. We're made in the image of another. We're made to reflect, okay? And so we either reflect, we image God, and we worship God or something else. Every single one of us. And so we're to give glory to, to worship, to give praise to is another way to translate that word where it says glorified. The Greek word there could also be translated praise, that God may be praised through Jesus Christ. It's about worship. And he says it's through Christ. See, God receives glory through Jesus when we serve others in God's strength, sharing God's word. And the reason is, is because it's Jesus who saved us and marked us and made us his. We're Jesus' people. It's Jesus who died for us and purchased us out from underneath sin and death. And so when we, and when we use our gifts to serve others, when we use our gifts in a way, a way that shows we're, we're good stewards, God gets glory through Jesus. And God is all about glorifying himself through Jesus. The cross shows us that. The resurrection shows us that. It's not simply about, it's not primarily about us. It's about God <laughs> purchasing for himself a people that will give him glory, honor, and praise forever and ever and ever and ever. God is intent on glorifying himself through Jesus Christ. And when we employ our spiritual gifts as good stewards in the local church, we get in on the game. We are, we, are, we are being used for the very purpose that God put us on the earth. If you love Jesus and you want to live for Jesus and you want to make much of Jesus in your life, then you need to be plugged into and serving in the local church. And yes, we need you. Local churches need you. But more than that, we cannot adequately glorify and worship our king apart from serving his people. Can't do it. It's all connected. So when you encourage a Christian, when you, when you teach, when you help someone in a tough spot, when you, when you offer wise counsel, when you give towards the ministry financially, when you open your home and, and you open your life in hospitality, something he talks about just the verse before this one, when you, when you share Christ with others, when you help administrate and lead within the local church, when you serve others in Jesus' name, you bring glory to God. And you're committing an act of worship, not of the one you serve, not of yourself, but of God. To God. And think, think about this. Someone is going to get the glory when you serve, when you use your gifts, when you use your abilities and your talents. Someone is always going to get the glory. When we serve others in the way Jesus calls us to, as he says here, 
serving others selflessly, sacrificially, in the strength God supplies, girded with God's word, then God gets the glory. But we can serve in ways, or appear to serve, we can use our gifts, let me put it that way, because we're not just called to serve, but to serve others. We can use our gifts in ways to glorify ourselves. So let me, let me pick on pastors for a second, because I'm a pastor. The spiritual gift of teaching within the office of pastor can be used for personal glory instead of God's glory. And I have no doubt that it's being used that way in places right now this morning as we meet. I don't think that's the rule. I certainly hope not. But there's no doubt that any gift can be abused. So a pastor can get up and tell a church a bunch of stories where he's always the hero, right? He looks great in every story, make you think he's pretty much perfect. He can avoid every hard text in the Bible so as never to offend the listener. Man, his, his messages are always so encouraging. Has he ever dealt with this topic? Well, no, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard him take, preach on that before. Yeah. He might be serving himself more than he's serving you. He can be more concerned with entertaining than teaching to see life change. He can be more concerned with being popular than faithful. More concerned with building a crowd than, than, than discipling a church. That can happen. Because every spiritual gift's a battle for glory. The use of your gifts and talents, it's all, it's a battle for glory. And so every pastor faces that temptation every time they use their gifts. And you face that temptation when you use whatever your gifts are. And if I'm teaching for God's glory, then, for instance, in, 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 in my world, I have to be faithful, right, to God's word. I have to teach with integrity. And I have to point to Jesus and not me. And this can happen with your gifts, too or with your abilities and talents. We can employ them in a way that serves ourselves, but doesn't necessarily serve others, that glorifies ourselves and not glorifies, doesn't glorify God. I'll give you some warning signs, like when convenience outweighs contribution. When I'm more focused on, is this convenient for me, than is this going to make, a, what kind of contribution can I make? When I only want to serve in areas that I can get credit for, where I can be seen or have power or gain more influence. If my motives are about me. If my main point in serving is what can I get instead of what can I give and how can I give, then I'm doing it for my glory. I'm not doing it for God's glory. I'm doing it to make a big deal out of Josh, not to make, not to make a big deal out of Jesus. And we, we're all capable of it. And probably at some time or another in our lives, we've probably all done it. We have to constantly be recalibrated by the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. I know this morning that if you know Jesus, that you have been gifted by the Spirit of God to serve his church. I know Jesus wants you to be a steward and wants me to be stewards and to steward those gifts in a way that is generous, not selfish, and that brings glory to God. I know, we know that thing. We know that to be true. In fact, I know that here at North Park, we have servant-hearted people that desire to glorify God by serving others in a myriad of ways because if we didn't, we wouldn't still be here, right? Some of you have been doing it for years in this particular church, pouring your life out. The church wouldn't be here today if people didn't step up and use their gifts and abilities to serve. But I also know that we must decide regularly and daily to use our gifts to serve others. It's not just gonna, we, we, we've got to call ourselves back time and time and time and time and time again. I've got to choose to live as a steward. I've got to choose to live as a servant. I've got to choose to live as a worshiper daily in all of life responsibly stewarding, selflessly serving, freely giving glory to God. Because here's the thing. 
Generous contribution requires purposeful engagement. Generous contribution requires purposeful engagement. I've never heard of a great political leader who didn't run for office. I've never heard of an athlete making the Hall of Fame in his sport by riding the bench. I've never seen someone honored at work or in their community for their work by not working and not showing up. Those who are known for making great contributions are those who are engaged, purposefully engaged in investing their life. Life is short. It's short. Eternity is long. It's forever. Jesus is coming back. Paul tells us 2,000 years ago, it's coming soon. <laughs> and here 2,000 years later, how much closer is it? All we know, right? A day is as 1,000 years with the Lord. So he might tarry another 2,000 years. I don't know. But the point is, in light of eternity, it's soon. In light of eternity, our lives are a breath. So we don't need to waste our life on the bench. We need to waste our gifts and abilities that God's given us. We need a place and a people and a way to serve. And that place and that people God has given you is the local church. So be engaged in the lives of others through the local church. Pastor said once that great churches aren't built with spare time and pocket change. I think that's true. Jesus desires to use generous servants who sacrificially give of their, not just the, their spare time and their pocket change, but sacrificially give of their time and of their finances and all those sort of things. Great churches are made up of great servants. It's exactly what they're made up of. Let me ask you this morning, North Park, what kind of church do we want to be a part of? What kind of church do you want your kids to go to if you're that age? Your grandkids. What kind of church do you want to have here in Baldwin Park and in this part of it? What kind of church do we want? Do we want a church that's outwardly focused on reaching people, discipling people, bringing people into the body of Christ, seeing them discipled and using their gifts to serve others so that the gospel can multiply and go? If we, if we want that, then the question then becomes, what am I doing what are you doing? What are we doing to contribute to that reality? And the question we have to ask ourselves, and I have to ask myself constantly is this, what would North Park be like if we gained 100 more of me? What would North Park be like if it gained 100 more of you? Right? Would it gain 100 more servant-hearted people? Would it gain 100 fussy people? Would it gain 100 deeply involved, generous people? Would it gain 100 people that, that consider faith, being faithful to church showing up, you know, two times every two months? Well, I don't know. What would it be? Right? God is constantly calling us forward to more. And he, he's wanting to move us from wherever stage we're in to deeper involvement in the church, deeper involvement in our relationship with Christ, deeper connection with the world around us so that we can make disciples, build up Christ's church. He, he's, he's, not, he's not calling us to step back. We get one shot. This is it. So what's your next step? How can you better serve and employ your gifts? That's my challenge to you this morning, to think and to pray. And Man, we, we've got places. We've got, we got people. We, got, we, need, we need people in child care. We need people to help with these greeters. Wait, there's, there's multiple ways on Sunday morning that you can serve. There's, there's ways that we, when we go out and we do outreach, 
We'll take all we can get to go with us to do out. There's multiple ways to be engaged. And not just corporately, but to use your gifts organically within your small group. So I'm not in a small group. Then you can't use your gift in a small group. You can't steward your gift there. Got to get in a small group, right? But there's ways that we can use our gifts. Who are you encouraging? Maybe you have that gift. Who are you serving? Who are you showing mercy towards? Who are you sharing wisdom with? Who are you teaching? Who are you helping? How are you helping administrate? How are you using your gifts? Are you using your gifts? And the last thing I would ask and say is just this. As we said earlier, you can't serve until you've been served. Until you've rested in the work of Christ, you're not ready to get to work for Christ. Have you received Christ? Have you rested in his death and his resurrection to save you from your sins? So you can serve from a place of freedom because of what you've received from Christ and not from a place of trying to get in good standing with Christ. I don't serve Christ so I can be in good standing with Christ. I serve Christ because he stood in my place and now I have good standing with Christ. And so I serve out of gratitude. Do you have that this morning? It can be yours through Jesus. Let's pray.